0: In this episode of Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers, we'll talk about the things that made Georgia so successful against Michigan. We'll talk about what needs to happen to stay and maintain that success against Alabama. Who had the biggest grades? Why did they have the biggest grades? And how do they keep their grades continuing to look that sharp in the national championship? We'll discuss it all next on Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers.
1: The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth.
0: Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Welcome to Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Howard along with Brent Rollins from UGA sports.com. You can also find him at Pro Football Focus College, where you can subscribe and be a well-informed Georgia Bulldog fan. It's uh, $99 a year for UGASports.com, about 130 a year for Pro Football Focus College. So we'll start out, uh, Brent, with uh, should we just celebrate? Do we dance? I'm not sure what to do.
2: Happy New Year, right? Happy New Year that we're talking about yes. football in a positive light.
0: Yeah, especially with our team in the Georgia Bulldogs, because man, oh man! To be honest, going into that uh, Michigan game, I didn't know what to think. I felt good about Georgia winning the game, but I thought it would be, you know, maybe a touchdown, maybe maybe ten, but uh, I didn't expect to see the walloping that we saw.
2: No, and it's we knew that they were both similar in terms of styles. They were both teams that wanted to establish the running game. Solid, you know, very good defenses, physical game. I thought I kind of lended it towards a Kentucky-like game, but Michigan would be a better version of Kentucky. They didn't even sort of really show that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Georgia just put the hammer down. and And then once the key is the quarterback position, and I think that was the thing that I knew in the end, I think Georgia was going to win the game, was I didn't feel confident about Michigan's quarterback beating them. I felt if, if it was going to be a quarterback that was going to beat them for Michigan, it was going to be the backup just because he was a five-star guy with crazy talent. And he showed some of that, but he showed he's obviously not ready for prime time yet. But that was the thing for me where it was just like, okay, in the end, Georgia is going to win the game, but it turned out a lot better to where that they just dominated. Yeah,
0: they certainly did. We'll start out with those uh, first two drives because when Georgia, you know, uh, came out on offense first, I was like, okay, we got to go down and score. We got to go down and score. And sure enough, man, that I couldn't even get it all the way out of my mouth, and they were already down there scoring.
2: It was just beautiful in terms of how they how they drew it up, how they designed it. Just a mix of, once some power running game that they hadn't really used a whole lot of, uh, some RPOs off of the counter. That like the second play was an RPO off of the counter that they really haven't done a lot of. They've done some RPOs off of the zone action, but not off counter. Uh, then it was screen game, Bowers on a deep shot, and then just. A mix of all that they got some short yard a short yardage conversion, and then the beautiful like they sort of do the muddle huddle much like Auburn does really lined up quick unbalanced where Bowers is the left tackle as opposed to the tight end stays behind the line of scrimmage Lad McConkey blocking and leads the way and you get that opening touchdown it was just that and then the second drive that ended with Kenny McIntosh throwing an absolute dime for a touchdown like you couldn't have scripted a better start because then the rest of the game they were able to dictate pace and just Dictate exactly what they wanted to do.
0: There's three things in there I'd like to go over, and one being Lab McConkey's blocking ability. Goodness gracious, that kid is a ball player.
2: Yeah, fighter. He's a fighter. I mean, and we've talked but about this uh, ad nauseum blocking doesn't, you don't have to be bigger, stronger, faster, especially on the perimeter. It's just about effort and being in the right position, and he does a whole heck of a lot of that.
0: Yeah, he just—he never ceases to amaze me. That kid, and I know they're—you know—with Brock Bowers, I mean, he's like I'm next level. I'm not—I'm not saying that they're—they're they're comparable, but I think Ladd McConkey is a ball player that oftentimes gets looked over.
2: Yes, well, he's—I think I've maybe mentioned this on here. He to me, he's Hunter Renfro with more straight line speed. Yeah. Yeah. And that guys having crazy success in the league right now.
0: Yeah, no, it's incredible. The uh the next thing I would like to talk about is uh, of those three that I mentioned is the Kenny McIntosh pass because James Cook was like, man, I can't believe we're calling this. After in the in the post game, he's like, "Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe he was calling it because he didn't make a decent pass in practice even one time.
2: The 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 the, fun, the little metrics of that play, and just little details of that play of everybody doing their job and how difficult that was for macintosh he had to bow that backwards a little bit because when he when he first did it i was watching i'm watching the game and thinking oh that's a bad cut you're you need to really stay inside there but when he bowed back then i realized okay this is he's throwing it and but he went from you know had the ball tucked away to throwing it in a matter of a step and a half to and then put it to the exact spot he needed to put it away from the defense to where it was going to be his guy or no guy it's a phenomenal
0: play. Right, and and it goes to show you that some guys, I believe, work better under pressure. You know what I mean? When you're just doing it yep. in drills, I'm not saying you shouldn't practice. That's not what I'm saying at all. But in sometimes in practice, you're like, there's no pressure. There's no moment. When you're in a game, in a real situation, I think some people rise to the, the occasion, and, and they actually play much better, much sharper, much more crisps in that situation.
2: Yep, very much so. And he, you couldn't have – scripted it any better for that play I mean it's one of those that they've obviously been holding on to all year and I think they talked about that that they've practiced it all uh, for a good long while but it it very much was just right place right time perfect call perfect execution and that's when you know when plays like that happen you're like all right, it's our night yeah this is our night
0: yeah yeah you're exactly right and uh, that leads me to my third point of all the things we were just discussing is Todd Bunkin's game plan was it Actually, the best game plan that he's put together for Georgia this year, or is it just because they were able to get down and score and as you said loosened everything up a little bit?
2: I mean, that's it's a very good question in terms of best of the year. But in terms of what they had to handle, it was best in terms of handling the elements that they had to handle, which were the two pass rushers. Yeah. You had to be able to scheme and you saw a lot of screens, the ball was out quick. I don't. I think Stetson's average time to throw in the game was, you know, it's very you know less than two and a half seconds, which is out quick. I mean, that's if you were if he did that for an entire season, that would be one of the lower uh, numbers in the uh, FBS. But that thing was there. Some of the run game elements were there. Play all the play action screen. Some of the RPO element. All those things that you need to protect your offensive line. They did. They didn't really put their Offensive line in just true drop back passing situations like they did against Alabama a lot, and when you can do those things, you can somewhat negate the pass rush, and they did. And Warren McClendon and Jamal Sawyer made themselves some money. Uh, this pat, I mean, I well take that back. I don't know they made themselves money, but they cemented some some draft stock, yeah, uh, for themselves. Yeah, uh, I don't know that they've elevated it themselves from a, you know, hey, I'm a fourth rounder. Now I'm going to go in the second round. I don't, I don't know that that would be the case. But the key, you know, the two pass rushers, Hutchinson and Jabo, Hutchinson obviously the Heisman finalist, one quarterback pressure on 51 pass rush snaps combined between the two guys. Ajabo, I wasn't 55. I wasn't really worried too much about him because he's more of a speed guy. And I think Georgia's tackles are used to handling that. Hutchinson was obviously a different animal, and they handled him well. You know, he got a penalty here, got some you know, got through a few times here and there. But for the most part, he was a non-factor in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does that change anything about him when you think about the NFL draft stock? Does it show some people at the next level, maybe that this guy is um, containable?
2: Uh, Yes and no. I I think there's there's some things with him where you think about 6'6", 265, the speed, the the strength, the power. There's elements from a just – Ability standpoint that are going to get him drafted in the top five, but I and, I and I don't think that's really going to change just because they're they're seeing so much of it. It's been such consistent dominance from him uh, that he's. Uh, I know uh, my my friend has given him a, a comparison of Chris Long, and I think that's a that's a good comparison for him because of the the length that he has and the ability that he has on the edge and ability to play both run and pass. But there was definitely some elements in that game where you could tell he was very, very frustrated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's why it, I, I didn't expect that he wasn't going to get drafted or not going in the top ten. But it just made people go, hmm. Maybe. Oh yeah, there was a
2: lot. I think there was a lot of, especially when, if you read social media after you know, people show the video of Jamari Sawyer, yeah, pancaking him, on him, him. His back. Yeah, like and it's like, oh, when and the number that I had, I, I mean, I tweeted out that in his 27 games in the last three years there's only two games that he's had less than two or less or less than two quarterback pressures. Georgia this past weekend and then Bama 2 years ago in the bowl game. So, you know, when you play those teams and you're not having the impact, it's one, it's coaching. But two, it's all there's probably a little bit of elements of, you know, the talent gets equaled up a little bit, yeah. your impact isn't as great.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair a, a really fair statement for sure. Um, where do you want to go next? Because I mean, if you have, I, I think probably the next step has to be Stetson because of all the abuse that he took between the SEC championship and the orange bowl, because I've never seen, I don't know that I ever seen even saw it with from and fields, like just that, that sort of directed, um, criticism continually. And he handled it really well I, before the game when he said, I'm not trying to prove anybody wrong. I'm just trying to go out there and be a good quarterback for my team. He handled it with with just flying colors and then went out and handled his business on the field to shut a whole lot of people up.
2: Yes, he did, and he made big plays. And that was that's the thing where with him, he's got to make the big plays because even watching that game, like if you look at his grade, his passing grade was only 68.6. So it's not like this, the consistent down to down, you know, accuracy and decision making. Like it's going to have to improve even a little bit more for them to you know, have success in the national championship. But making the big plays that he made—thirty-two yard scrambling, one of which was you know a twenty-something yarder, I think. You know, another was a first-down run for first on a scramble. Like those have to happen. Yeah, he has to. It's it's an element he has to use. The big throws down the field. Like for the on a deep ball, twenty plus yard throws, three of four for 145 yards and a touchdown. On under pressure, like his, he had been horrible. His numbers were flat, horrible under pressure all season. But that's a very unstable metric. It's, you know, you flip a coin in terms of how it can go. And he had a really good game under pressure. He was three of six for 131 yards and two TDs under pressure. Like the throw to Cook, he gets absolutely just destroyed. Uh, on that, the final touchdown of the game. But he played well. And he, you know, there were still throws that he missed. A throw to Darnell a little high. There was one time he missed Darnell in the middle of the field. And Darnell was wide open. I mean, a throw to Bowers on the first drive, yeah. Bowers makes a great catch. He does. That's, that's more Bowers than him. Of course it, a it is. a good decision to where to throw the ball, but it's more Bowers being awesome than him making a good throw there. Uh, the one the Burton, the Burton did a great job of, of deking the. Yes. Uh, the corner a little bit, the corner maybe had a little bit less respect for his arm and Burton did a good job there, but you know, he's going to still have to play to me a, a little bit better and, a, and really a lot better over the four quarters. Cause he's going to have to play four quarters against Alabama. And that's the thing that, you know, I just, he's done it all year, but he's done it all year in spurts where it's been phenomenal. Big play, big play, big play. And then I go for a quarter and I just, you know, and I'm missing on third down or, not doing things that you need to do. So his consistency is, I think, is he, if he is consistent for four quarters against Bama, then it's a, you know, hey, it's a end-of-the-game, point-flip game, ready to go, take your chance kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, defense, before we get to what they need to do against Alabama, defense was back to Georgia defense. It's exactly what you would expected out of Georgia after seeing them play this year and um, – gosh, man, I, there's not a, there's not enough you can say about that defense.
2: No, and when you look at their, you know, coming into the game, they had two backs that were, you know, two of the highest graded running backs they'd seen all year, two of the highest graded running backs uh, in college football in Haskins and Coram, and those two combined for 12 carries for 44 yards, so no impact. The Edwards kid, by the way, had showed some showed some ability, the true freshman for Michigan that, you know, was a, it was down to him in Georgia at, at the end when he was picking where to go, but he's still, you know, no true real impact from their running game. And obviously when you think about uh, to be able to protect, you're facing an offensive line that, you know, just announced they won the Joe Moore or they won the Joe Moore award. And then they wear the shirts. Oh yeah. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the bleep ball. Run the damn ball. Yeah. yeah. when, When you, when you wear those shirts and you walk out there like that, like to me, that, yeah, that, that was an omen for them in a bad way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: and they got handled. They pressured Michigan's quarterback on 42% of the dropbacks. I think it was something like uh, 20 out of the 48 dropbacks. And it just they dominated the game. No, In, in terms of, like, the who, like, Kobe Dean was still Kobe Dean. Like, he's his grade now in terms of his season grade is approaching one of the highest grades that PFF has given ever for a linebacker. I think he's only behind Reuben Foster uh, from Alabama. And then you had Nolan Smith, who had basically a, not a career-high grade game, but a career-high statistical game. His first – he had six total quarterback pressures. That's double the most he's had in any game in his career. He had five what we call stops, which are a solo tackle that re- results kind of in a loss for the, de- for the offense. Tw- tied his career high. No other game he had more than two. So you know, it, his impact, and he's going to be very key tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but yeah, in the next, next, next Monday. yeah, next to have uh, to to have a you know, impact big time. But you know, the defense played; they did what they did. They, in essence, shut him down for the entirety of the game. The last score was on the on the you know, twos and threes. So it was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Darion Kendrick with a couple picks. I mean, that was huge. Yep.
2: yep. And I think he had a 22.4 passer rating allowed, which if you throw the ball into the ground uh, towards someone, it's 39.6. So he was better than that. Uh, Ringo, only one reception for 11 yards allowed. William Poole, two receptions for 22 yards. Seen, one reception for three, seven yards. So Michigan just – they couldn't – now, the interesting thing about the game is especially early, like the the first fourth down that Michigan had, like Seen got beat. Eighty-three beating, the ball is just not there. Like Bryce Young's going to make those throws. Yeah, see that's and, and there that's were right there were throws and there were lanes and there were some things that could have been made that Bryce Young's going to make those plays if you don't get pressure on. It. And that's the that's the interesting thing about as we move forward to to next Monday.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that could be problematic for sure. Uh, four sacks for the defense too, which was uh, which was big. And did Georgia give up any sacks? Did Stetson get sacked? Nope, I didn't think he Stetson did. Stetson was only pressured, I think, yeah. on
2: nine of thirty something dropbacks.
0: Yeah, I didn't remember. Let me tell you, the uh, the the evening was a tick cloudy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, some of, some of the things trying to remember it all doesn't seem to add up. But uh, but that would maybe the uh, <laughs> maybe the brown liquor talking. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it was uh, it was big. It was fun. What does jo- Wait, so quickly before we do? What does Georgia got to do to beat Alabama? And 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 your thoughts there? What about Alabama and Cincinnati? Um, some people would say. And I might have been one of them before the game. You know, is Cincinnati going to have a chance? Blah, 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 blah. And not that I ever thought that Cincinnati was going to beat Alabama, but they didn't lose any worse than Michigan lost to Georgia.
2: No, and, and Cincinnati to me is the third best team in the country.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Like they they are they are the third best team in the country. Now, Ohio State offensively is a different animal. You know, you saw if you watch the Rose Bowl, they're yeah, on did. a different level from a talent perspective on offense. But overall, team Cincinnati's the third best team, and if it, if Ritter was able to deliver consistently from the pocket, that would have been a four quarter game. He just didn't make enough plays, and he had some you know they had some batted passes that on a third down and then a batted pass that would have been a touchdown. The to slant was had twelve had beaten the Alabama DB like that game. And there's a lot to learn for Georgia from that game and a lot of things that they can do and some notes that I even took watching that game that Georgia can do to mimic and just have better players. yeah, Do a lot of the same thing with better players.
0: But I think that's the, the conversation that most people thought, that not that Cincinnati's a bad team, is that they don't have the level of players. I, I think I read before the game against Alabama, Cincinnati had, let's say, six or eight. We'll give them eight just because I can't remember eight four-star athletes on their roster. Alabama has 85% four- and five-star athletes on their roster. That's yep. the difference. Right there is the 100%. difference.
2: 100%. And it's that, and it's not just – and Cincinnati also has eight or nine NFL guys. Like, they have NFL players across their roster that are going to make NFL rosters. It's just – you know, like, for example, when 24, they're running back forward. When he goes down, their running game drops off precipitously. When 12, the receiver comes off the field. The next guy in, big drop off. Exactly it's right, Gardner Man, the corner. Depth. You know that's it's the depth and the the you know yes it's the elite and like those guys can they develop and they get guys that and find guys that develop and turn into great players but the depth is just that's the part that is always going to be favoring. The Georgia's, the Alabama's, the Ohio State's, the USC's, those those teams.
0: Yeah, eventually USC, right? It's, just been, it's been a few years. It'll be soon.
2: Yeah. It'll be soon.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing about uh, Lincoln Riley going out there. He, as long as he owns recruiting in California, they'll return to prominence. Very much so. And you don't have Very to funny. deal with the SEC ro- or schedule.
2: Yep. And you got, I mean, look, look at the quarterbacks that have, you know, the Heisman finalists, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, both from California.
0: Brock Bowers.
2: California
0: yep. exactly right man so as long as they look I think that was a strategic move by Lincoln Riley
2: oh yeah 100 percent yeah and, 100%. and I think he, he'll, he knew his path was going to be way better and the the peak of there was going to be much greater than the peak of where he'd already reached to me the peak of what he could do at Oklahoma I think
0: you're right and I think he'll be uh, still coaching at USC when Brian Kelly is no longer coaching at LSU. Correct.
2: Yeah. I, would, I would 100% agree with
0: that. That <laughs> seems to be pretty obvious, but uh, I've had people argue it with me. We'll see how it all turns out. All right, final chapter here. What has Georgia got to do? And you you said you took some notes on what Georgia needs to do to compete and beat Alabama in the national championship. I agree with you. It's going to be a four-quarter game. I agree with you. It's going to be a tight game, and it'll probably come down to just like it did in 2017 going into 2018.
2: Yeah, and it's, and that's what you want. I mean, you want, no, it's not. You want the opportunity to be in the game. I want. Well,
0: you I want, want, you want. I want another fun. repeat of the Michigan game that we did. That's <laughs> so much Very more fun. True. I agree. I, agree. Uh, I kid somewhat. I kid somewhat, but I know it's but, not going to be that. So,
2: so thinking about that, you know, Saban. When you think about Nick Saban in the last since he's since 2008, so let's look at their this and this was number was amazing, amazing to me. And, and uh, Matt Turnoff talks about it often on the on the radio about how when Kirby gets beat a lot of times it's by double digits mm-hmm. and that the sort of offensive philosophy and the lack of focus there has lends to, Hey, you can't play catch up games. You can't play shootouts, things like that. So I went and looked, I was just curious. So since 2008, which is uh, sabin's second second year in Alabama, and then the last five years uh, since Kirby's second year of Georgia. So since 2017, so 14 years for Saban, five years for Kirby. They both have six double digit losses interesting. so in fourteen years, he's been beat by double digits six times. It just doesn't happen. yeah the guy's too good of a coach. yeah, he's the greatest for a reason and that's and if you're in a four quarter game with him, hey you're you're winning and that's that's a good thing for you. but I do think there are certain things that Georgia can do want the easiest thing, and it's one of those easiest easier said than done, obviously because they couldn't do it in the first uh, game. Was to pressure is to pressure Bryce yeah. Young,
0: and Cincinnati was able to do that a little bit toward in, in what middle to late game.
2: Yes, as the game went on, they definitely were able to get pressure. But the key to me is how and how you get pressure on Bryce Young. And Georgia does a lot of twists and stunts, and Bama was infinitely prepared for them the first time. To me, you're going to have to let guys just get, give guys free reign and let them go. Now I will say this: I would almost look at Evan Neal as, at left tackle as, "Hey, you're a first-round guy. We're not going to beat you on a consistent basis." So I'm any pass rush to on Evan Neal, get him tied up with one guy, and that guy's the contained guy because he's going to win his matchup. So the focus of everything I do is on the right side of offensive of their offensive line, which their right guard went out in the game against Cincinnati, so they had to put a true freshman at right guard. So whether that guy who plays there, I don't know, yeah, but, who knows. You know dinged up in some way, but I would be every, sending the house and, and doing things and giving guys free reign on the right side of Alabama's offensive line. That's one thing. And here's the key. If Bryce Young goes and gets now, unless it's third down, but if Bryce Young goes and scrambles for 10, 11, 12 yards, who cares?
0: Yeah. Right.
2: It's not touchdowns. Right. It's not right. 60 yard touchdowns. And that's, you know what's interesting about how Cincinnati played is they often they play sort of a three-three-five stack defense. You know, there's usually only six guys in the box. So Alabama ran the ball, and Alabama ran the ball. A ton. You know, Robinson had over 200 yards. In a way, I I would do that on, very similar to that if I'm Georgia and play with three down linemen because guess what, your three down linemen are better than Cincinnati's, mm-hmm. and, and dare them to run the ball, and if. And if, you know, if they run it and go get six, fine. If they go get 12, fine. That milks the clock. Like, Cincinnati stayed in that game a lot longer. And it's much – I look at it as kind of like remember when Josh Smith for the Hawks would hit a three and the other team's like, yes – he just hit a three. Now he's going to shoot 10 more and probably going to go one for 10.
0: Yes. Yes. I do <laughs> like remember that. Hits,
2: and the, as a Hawks fan, you're like, crap. He oh, hit the three. Now, yeah. Now he's shooting them all game. Yeah. they're Right. Fact, right. Right. Like if you give them a little, if they had you know, success in the running game a little early, fine. So what? You shorten the game. You, right, you make it a, to where they have to take six, seven, eight minutes to get a drive scoring drive and then force field goals. As long as you don't, you know, as long as you force field goals, you're going to be fine. And it, then, to me, it also coincides with what Georgia wants to do offensively, and they can be who they are, and not have to go into a straight drop back game like they did the first.
0: Yeah, time. because that clearly does not work. But that, back to that Todd Munkin thing, and maybe it was because they, but, but it had to be his game plan to get. I mean, just they just started out so fast with just slants, and they just put Stets – What it appeared to me is they put Stetson in. in places where Stetson could be successful, and he was.
2: Yeah, early in the game it was. I mean, he played well. And it was just that third quarter, really, that, that kind of came unraveling. But other than the almost pick six uh, on the, I think, first, first drive or one of the early drives in the game, other than that, he played well. And you know, some of the things that they did in that game, all the screens, hey, throw them all game long, mm-hmm. keep throwing them. Keep keep all, RPO screen game where it's run or throw screens run or throw screens all game yeah all the time yeah, live yeah. live in second and seven live in second and six and you, even if you're throwing it out there and you only get three four who cares yeah you're staying ahead of the chains yeah and if and the biggest key to me is and I hammered this you know, before the Michigan game but it's even more important for the Alabama game if Stetson breaks the pocket unless there is some dude that is wide and the open, ends open run.
1: Yeah,
0: run, run. forest, run. Exactly. Which is because what he didn't do what, in the SEC Championship. I think you just said that, but but I remember one play specifically where there was not anybody between him and 20 yards of green grass, and he threw it anyway.
2: Yep, tried to make a big play to Bowers, and the pro, he, and it's hard because you know, he's got that gunslinger mentality, much like we saw against Michigan, where he threw that ball over the middle, just threw it up for grabs, and you're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but... He's got that gunslinger mentality where he's going to, hey, I can make that throw. Well, the probability of making the perfect throw a lot of times when there's any little bit of coverage versus you getting seven, eight, 10, 12 with 20. your legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take the legs yeah. all day, run yeah. all day. Yeah. Uh, you know, so those kind of things. And I think the last thing for Georgia offensively is, and we saw this a little bit against Michigan. And, and I want it to not be the case against Alabama. When you need plays, stop thinking when you need to make a big play. Stop thinking about the play itself. Think players. Mm-hmm. And I think they did that a little bit towards the end of the Bama game. Just All right, we're chucking at the Bowers every time. <laughs> you know, We're getting him the ball constantly. Pickens, Bowers, Ladd, Cook, Burton. Yep. Players. Think players, get those, do whatever it is that you're going to do to get those players an opportunity to make a play. Because like like against Michigan, third and nine or something like that. And I love, you know, John Stitzpatrick is a great player, but and a great tight end, great block, great, you know, he's he's open in the middle the field, throw it to him all day. But he's not a go make a move and run throw an out route to him mm-hmm. kind of guy on third down. Don't do that. Yeah. Both to those guys yeah those no. these guys who are your big-time playmakers and I, put them on the field constantly yeah. that's the
0: other thing that's the other no i agree with that man 100 i love that i love that's a great way of looking at it don't think big play think big players that's so good that like that needs to be on a t-shirt somewhere
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you'd be make yourself some money <laughs>
2: hey we got, we got a lot of t-shirt ideas here
0: i am bet I bet. Well, Office when you have more. them, yeah, exactly. And and now I, we have a, a group that advertises with us, uh, you know, there at Dickey Broadcasting that that's their, their deal. They're like, if you ever want a t-shirt with something on it, send it to me and I'll print it up and we'll sell it. If it sells, we'll sell it and we'll make more. And if we don't, we'll just never sell it again he was like, we just make them as the orders come in. There you go. So I'm telling you, yeah, yeah we, we can do this, man. We can do this. We can make some money. It'll be good. This is Bulldogs. Go. Bulldog. Okay. Yeah, let's do Happy it. New Year Yes, yeah, exactly right. Hello, money. Free money. Especially with good t-shirts. Always. Yeah, because I'm I'm a sucker for a good t-shirt. I will buy a good t-shirt and be like, I can't believe I just spent, you know, $35, including shipping, you know, to get it, uh, a t-shirt, you know, but I do it all the time.
2: Anyway. Um, Speaking of that, you know, they win the Natty. How many T-shirts do you buy?
0: Um, well, you know what? I would, I would say a bunch, but I don't know, man. I I didn't I, when the Braves won the World Series. I bought my wife one, and my son one. I didn't buy myself one at all. This was so strange. Like I don't know why. I just didn't. And um, maybe I'll be different. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't. I wish I could. What about you? Are you, are you a Are you a national championship? I country? do have I do
2: have a Braves. Okay, I got one for Christmas. So okay, I do have one of those, but. I, I, I will say, I don't know that I'm that guy that as soon as the game's over, I'm running the dicks.
0: See, we did that the in the middle of the night.
2: I, I didn't do I, – I don't think I'll do that. Yeah. I always – I'm probably one of those, you know, tight guys that will wait, you know, two weeks later when it's on sale or something like yeah. that they're trying to get just get rid <laughs> yeah. of those initial ones.
0: Yeah, right. No, I'm with you. No, that's smart. I want you to uh, not buy a T-shirt. I want you to subscribe to UGASports.com. It's about uh, $99 a year. Get Brent's work It's and, and all the – folks over there it's terrific same way with pro football focus college subscribe and be the most well-informed george bulldog fan and college football fan that you could possibly be with those two websites and uh you get brent's work there Uh, and we just appreciate you subscribing liking sharing and talking about the podcast we do this is george bulldogs by the numbers next time we'll talk is after the george alabama game and i almost said after george wins the national championship but i'm not going to say that because that would be um I don't even believe in bad luck. It sure would be fun. I don't even believe in bad luck. But people are like, you can't say that. You're not supposed to say that. And I'm like, why? I don't believe in that. It it got nothing to do with me or anything I say. It's got to do with how the team plays on the field.
2: Yes, very true. But you probably will still wear the same shirt that you wore for the other game, right? For the semifinal game?
0: I don't remember which one it was. I can tell you, that brown liquor. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I kid, no, I do. Uh, yes, so you're not that superstitious. Yeah, not. At all. I'm not superstitious at all. Like zero yeah. percent. I just know some people are. You know, they get they're like, you're not supposed to say they're gonna win it. You know, like I I just don't buy into that. Like because I mean it's so silly. The whole pre- the whole premise is silly.
2: Yes, I yeah, agree. agree. All right, we very much can't like even. even so speaking of that today, yeah, yeah. the Fal- the Falcons were playing, yeah, and they get that. Interception in the opening part of the third quarter. I thought, oh, let's let's you know let's let's go Falcons. Let's do yeah. something. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, nah, it's just not. Yeah, and and because it's, it's going to bring bad karma. It, it always. And does. then they went backwards. Yeah. and punted.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was less to do with bad karma, more to do with the bad team. That's what I'm <laughs> telling you, bad. man. Nothing to do with anything you sure. write or say.
2: No, very true. There you but go. But I will say I think this is going. I do think this is going to be, especially for two. For a couple of reasons, one: this is the first time Kirby's been able to play Alabama a second time in a season. Yeah, like giving him and his staff actual ta- like ability to learn and change and adapt. That's immensely important. Now, granted, soak in Alabama. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Alabama doesn't have. What's that? They don't have. They don't have number eight in this game, and that's a big deal. Yeah, that's it is. Messy, yeah. receiver. Yeah, and then they also don't have Josh Job. Yeah, corner. yeah like those two like and they might not have their right guard and, and you know those things add up
0: and and georgia and looks the, pretty healthy i know brock bowers is a little bit banged up he's but he's not injured it's not like he's not gonna play
2: yep and chris smith didn't get you know he got the targeting thing after after the dk interception so yeah. he didn't get dinged up anymore yeah. so he's gonna be as good as, as good as he possibly can be he's gonna be ready to go uh for the national championship you're gonna see more of him on the field i actually also think from a schematic standpoint I want to see them, like somebody like Latavius Breeny playing in the box as a linebacker, but also then can be you know then playing more dime, more six defensive backs, and him, and Brini being that dime linebacker who can play the run and be physical against the run, but also help a little bit better than the linebackers that they have in coverage. So there's some some things I think they can do and th- think they will do. I think they'll play more press coverage, uh, especially against non. Uh, non uh, Jamison Williams receivers. Yeah. You know, so there's some things they'll do, and it's I think that's the big key is that when you get them again, no matchy, and you know those things. Hey, I think we're gonna have a classic, like big time, great one of those instant classic type games.
0: Does Georgia win? I don't know yet. <laughs> I would have said the same thing. I would have said the exact same thing. I, but, but, but me, I know how I am. I expect the worst, hope for the best. That's the way I live my life. That way I'm never disappointed.
2: The thing for me is Alabama is going to have the likely best two players on the field. And we talked about that leading yeah. up to the SEC championship game, that they were going to have possibly the best three players on the field. And Bryce Young and Jameson Williams were just that good. And you've got to find a way to rattle them. You got to find a way to tip a ball, get a turnover. You got to find a way to get them off the field somehow. Because if you keep giving them opportunities, those guys are just have proven that they are going to make plays. So i i I think it comes down to just one one or two plays. Yeah, I think coin so too. Flip type deal. Yep, me too. And somebody somebody makes them. Somebody like you, you look at in the national championship game. Back in 2017. It was Devontae Smith as a freshman. You know, it was Tua getting, you know, Tua coming in after yeah, all that stuff. It was, I think, just weird stuff like that. Yeah. And somebody who you don't even expect to be humongous is going to have to be humongous.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. There you go. Uh, this is Bulldogs by the numbers, man. Have a great day. It's always fun to talk to you.
2: Yes. Always a pleasure. And hopefully we're talking about a championship second championship in this in the state that's right
0: can you imagine the braves and the bulldogs that'd be so incredible wipe the the silly curse nonsense talk away
2: 100 atlanta georgia
0: that's right exactly you know how many do you know how many people bark at me for that and that's the reason i post it <laughs> it's people we like georgia's not in atlanta I'm like i know that ain't got nothing to do with that <laughs> i just it's just the way that it just lays out so nicely Yes, it does. And people bark and complain. I love it. If you, uh, if you want to know do, what I'm talking I about. I do
2: think there'll be, a, I think it'll be a 70, 30, or you know, two thirds, one third crowd Okay, favoring Georgia. Yeah. I do think that.
0: Yeah. Maybe so. But I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah. You can find me at Tug Coward across social media. You can find uh, Brent at Brent Rollins, PhD. Subscribe All right. and listen. There you go, man. It's at, And share, and uh, we appreciate it. Make it a great day.